Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Our Not-So-Perfect Family, Part 2, Responsible Parenting in the Smartphone Age, recorded Sunday, September 10th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Almost 80% of Americans have one of these, including me. Okay, I got one. And uh, your teenagers, well over 80% have one. So it's changed our lives. We have to admit that. Um, Some things are good. Some things not so good. Pew Research did an extensive study on the effects of smart technology on kids, and they've told us that, and the research is pretty solid, our children are more anxious. Uh, There's more depression that seems like it has taken over our young people, and there's definitely more suicide that's occurring since 2007 when the technology was introduced. And uh, there's probably reasons for that that are pretty commonplace. Social media platforms, it creates this endless comparison that we find ourselves under. And even you as, a, as, a, as an adult and as a parent, you probably feel like there's a lot of comparison that you run into. Uh, needless to say, parenting is a lot harder today, I think, than prior to the smartphone age. And by the way, when I say smartphone, realize I'm talking about all the technology that we have at our disposal in our day and age. I mean, all of it, the computers, the phones, the watches, the tablets, whatever else it is that you carry. And I think God has plenty to say to us, to our not-so-perfect families when it comes to this topic. And I want to start with Ephesians chapter 5, where it says in verse 11, "...have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness." but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything, and there's no secrets today, let's face it. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. And then this little phrase of warning or of concern that Paul gives all of us 2,000 years later Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It says be very careful. I mean, as a parent, as an adult, there's a caution, there's a watchfulness that comes with that responsibility. And we need to accept that if we're going to have any shot at raising kids in our not-so-perfect families to know God the way that they deserve to, okay? Here's another passage from Paul. He didn't have a smartphone, but he understood culture, and culture hasn't changed any since the first century. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying its its power, have nothing to do with such people. They're all found right here. In in, in the ease of of a search. Or by the way, 
you don't even have to search for it. It'll come to you. And Paul says that's the last days. Now, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since the resurrection of Jesus. We're in the last days. So we still have the same kind of responsibility that they had in the first century, to be parents, to be smart parents. The goal of parenting, it's very simple. This is my own view. I don't think it's my own view, but it's the one I share with you today. The goal is to raise your kids to become God's kids. That's your only goal, to raise your kids to become God's kids. And when you agreed as a Christian person to become a parent, or when you became a Christian, you accepted the responsibility to parent. Now, what does it take to be a smart parent? Well, a lot of things. I want to talk in general, and we want to address this, this situation that we hold in our pockets. Smart parents, first of all, start early. You start early. When is early for you? It might be right now. But start, if you can, start from the womb, okay? And that means that your responsibility starts with the decision you made to have a child, or even if you didn't decide to, that now you're going to have one, okay? You model a walk with your children. You know, we do something here called child dedication. That weekend is coming up. It's September 23 and 24. And it's, it's that time that we, we have a goal and a prayer for our babies, for our children, that, that parents will step in and say, I'm going to lead my kids to know Jesus. Okay, that's, that's where you start if you can. Uh, here's how it's stated in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Paul says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Watch me, do what I do. That's discipleship. And Parker's going to talk about this in detail in a couple weeks. But it seems like every two-year-old on earth has at least one time in in their upbringing, they have to put on the shoes of their parent. Like, you know, you probably have pictures of your two-year-old then who put on dad's boots or mom's shoes and clumped around on those. There's something more than just a fun moment in that. They're showing us they will follow our example. And they want to step into our shoes. The question is, what kind of shoes, what kind of examples are we giving them? You know, you talk to a parent and you say, you know, if you ask, let me ask you this question. This is one that came at me this week and wow, it just kind of threw me back. It's a very convicting question. Would you be happy... If your children have the same relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, that you do. Think about that. Like, the first thought I had was, no, I want them to have more than I have. And then here's a follow-up to that. Why don't I have more? You know, if that's really the case, why don't I have more? Smart parents look for more with God. And then they show their children God. Here's another thing. They teach their kids that God is good. This is something that the scripture is clear about. Even in the earliest parts of the Bible, when Moses received the law, one of the statements that, that uh, Moses told the people 
The Lord, the Lord, this is found in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. So see, see that what he's saying about God? This is God. Loving, compassionate, forgiving. This is what God wants us to know about himself. Yet... He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. The Lord God is loving, kindness, good, faithful, forgiving in comparison to the sins of the parents that linger for generations. The blame isn't on God. The blame is on us. I can trust a God that's good. I can trust a God that's loving. I can trust a God who's forgiving and compassionate. Second Chronicles 7 says this, When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, this was a moment of worship, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. That's the number one lesson we teach our kids. God is good. His ways are good. His, 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 his love for us is always going to achieve goodness. Smart parents teach that. Smart parents make the most of their opportunities. One of the great passages in the Scripture about parenting, and it's one that we use quite often in that weekend with our young families, that dedication weekend, Psalm 127. And it says all kinds of great things about the home and our families. It talks about how unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers work in vain. So the Lord has to be at the center place of our homes. Uh, it talks about how our kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. I like this imagery because it talks about if you think about it this way, so God fashions this great bow and this, and this arrow, and he, he hands that bow to us, the parents, and he says, I want you to aim that arrow at the right target, and the target is to know him. But it's our responsibility to be the ones who, fa who aim the bow and who release it to the right target. So there's a lot of people who didn't get an early start in that. Like, there are people sitting here today, I'm confident, and you're like, man, I wish I would have heard this sermon 20 years ago. Scott, why didn't you give this sermon 20 years ago? And I'm telling you, I gave this sermon 20 years ago. <laughs> like, I've been talking about this for 40 years. And I've been failing sometimes and succeeding at others, because I'm a parent, I'm not perfect. But here's the point. If you start early, you got a better shot, okay? And, and by the way, if you didn't start early, start now. I like how Maurice Kramer put it. I guess Maurice Kramer is like the expert of water in Nebraska. That's what I read. I just found this on, online. Yeah, I did look there, yeah. And he likes to repeat this Chinese proverb. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. It's not too late. Smart parents figure that out. Here's another thing. Smart parents take responsibility over the distractions. Smart parenting understands that there's danger 
in this thing. There's, there's good, there's bad. I mean, this isn't moral or immoral in itself. It's nothing like that. It's what you do with this that's either good or bad. It's, it's very powerful, by the way. It's a powerful tool. When I was 18, I got my first car. It looked something like this. Don't laugh. Now, my dad, my dad, he was a kind of a, he was a guy that could take any vehicle and make it into something else. So he took that and he made it into a conversion van and it had like a fold-down bed and a refrigerator and an eight-track tape player and my friends called it the sin bin. <laughs> Can you figure out why? Not that I use it that way, but that's what my friends called it. That thing could go from zero to 60 someday, okay? Three on the tree. Now, my buddy had this car, Datsun 2000. That baby zoomed, man. It was endless and powerful, okay? When I had a big date, I would trade the sin bid with my buddy for the 2000 because I wanted to impress, now, both of those cars would go somewhere, and both were coffins if they were used inappropriately. They were just tools. And so are cell phones and computers and tablets. And I think you know that you can find any kind of danger in that thing you want to find. As a matter of fact, it'll find you. Forget about you finding it. Porn, shopping addictions, online gambling, sexual predators who are after your children, and you, by the way financial foolishness, addiction to social media, gambling. I mean, if you're not responsible, it will become the most powerful, destructive force in your family. And don't doubt it. You've got to take responsibility. You're the parent. You're the adult. Now, what are some of the distractions? Well, it can distract your heart. Blaise Pascal, who was a scientist, a mathematician, he was also a philosopher and he was a theologian. And he said this a couple hundred years ago. The only thing that consoles us from our miseries is our distraction. And yet, this is the greatest of our miseries. For it is which principally hinders us from reflecting on ourselves. Distraction amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. How's your life of distraction? How about your life without? Do you have any time in your busy world where you're not being distracted? I mean, are you, are you hearing God at all beyond whatever's being said to you or expressed to you by the many mechanisms that come at your life. And, and what are you teaching your children about that? Because if you're not going to take responsibility out over your own distractions, do you really think that they're going to not follow you in that? I mean, the Lord speaks in many ways. He speaks through His Word. I think He speaks through our conscience. But He also primarily speaks in whisper. And the only way you will hear God whisper to you is if you are in a point where you don't have distraction. 
and it distracts our heart. It can. Now, it can also depress development. I don't think anyone can argue with the fact that young people are not developing the same way that they did prior to the onslaught of this technology. They are taking, we know this, educators in this room will tell you this point blank if they've been around it for any length of time, that, that it takes longer for people to develop relationally, uh, emotionally. Um, they're underdeveloped and yet we're throwing all kinds of stuff at them to say, hey, develop earlier. And so they're making really bad choices about their sexuality. They're making really bad choices about their relationships. It's not good. And so we have to understand that we have a responsibility to them. Another thing it does is it casts doubt on their true worth. Because if a person's living and dying by their likes and their followers... I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. Everyone wants a niche. There's nothing wrong with having a niche where you have people in your life that, that bring value to you and that communicate with you and you with them. When I was in high school in the 70s, I had a niche. It was called the Radiator Gang. We met it in the hallway of North High School where all the radiators were, duh. And we hung out for a while and then we went to class and that was my niche. That was my people. I was their person and we weren't always great, but we had each other. It was a niche. Everyone wants a niche. But if you live by and die by the likes and how many friends and how many streaks you have online, oh my gosh, that's a lonely way to live. I mean, what are you worth? What are you worth? I can tell you what you're worth. God says it to you. God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's your worth. That's the ultimate like. God likes you. That's how much you're worth to God. He says, I love you. I died for you. I redeemed you. I gave you life and I will give you life. That's your worth. Another thing about this technology is it can deter imagination. Dr. Jeff Shrives talks about how the man who wrote the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, remember that? Willy Wonka, you know, remember that? Ronald Dahl. He, he, that's Gene Wilder and his children, the Oompa Loompas. That's, remember that? Okay, some of you do. Lizzie Sykes didn't know what that was. She kind of creeped her out, I can tell you. Right? But, but anyway, that's just, it's, that's, that movie was in a reference to this book that was written in 1964. And there's a character in the book called Mike TV. Remember this? Mike watched TV constantly. That's why he couldn't get the golden prize, right? Because, and, and this is what Dahl says in the book about Mike TV. Did you ever stop to think, to wonder just exactly what this does to your beloved tot? In other words, all this exposure to just nothing but screen time. It rots the sense in the head. It kills imagination dead. It clogs and clutters up the mind. It makes a child so dull and blind. He can no longer understand fantasy, a fairyland. His brain becomes as soft as cheese. His powers of thinking rust and freeze. He cannot think. He only sees. He's just saying, look, you're killing their imagination." And how many of us, and look, look, I'm as guilty as you are at times, 
you know, the kids get a little rambunctious and you don't want to deal with that right now because I'm tired, I just got home from work, whatever. And so, hey, let's just watch this show and let's quiet them down and let's let the TV take over. And then the crazy thing is now they watch YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube videos where they're watching other children play. That's messed up, man. It's messed up. It takes away imagination. Little Scotty, my grandson, he's, I went home the other day, and he's got this stick and paper wrapped around it and more paper wrapped around it, and he runs to the door and he goes, Papa, shoot gun, shoot gun. And I'm saying, that's a big victory right there. That's a kid using his imagination. Another thing about the smartphone and the technology that comes with that, it disrupts communication. I think you probably know this. I mean, I think many of us, if our, you know, if our kids were asked by their teacher on Friday, what are you going to do this weekend? If they were really honest, they might say, well, we're all going to stare at our phones and our televisions and our tablets, and then we're going to go to bed. Look, we got to have some rules here, okay? We're, we're the parent. That's all I'm saying. And I think that from a biblical perspective, we are the ones who have to be the adults, Okay? And so I think God came to relate to us and he brought with that relational aspect a pattern that we can live out. And I, here's the thing about a message like this, and I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not naive about this. I know that some of you, you're like, oh yeah, you're nodding your heads, and, and yet, but you're going to push this message to the trash file quicker than Colorado can put up 30, okay? <laughs> and so... I believe, uh, I'm just a sick man when it comes up, but I believe this message could begin to transform your not-so-perfect family. And I think there's benefits. I think there's benefits to this. Like, like I can tell you right now, I don't want to ride a horse to work. Okay, I, I like getting into a car that'll get me there quicker. That's technology that I like. Um... I can think of other things, right? I, I, I don't, I like having a watch that I can tell time with. I don't have mine on today, but I like having one. And does other things for me. It tells me what my heart rate is, like when I'm fired up and stuff like that. I like the technology. I like some of the stuff that this brings. So I'm not being that guy. But, but I think we need to take responsibility in ways that maybe we forgot we need to. Okay, so I asked Andrew Burnell about this, this earlier this week. I said, what do, you, what do you and Chrissy do with your family? Because I think they're great parents, and they would say right now they're not perfect parents, but they're really good parents. And I said, well, what do you do? And so he, that Andrew just like rips off like eight things that he and Chrissy have tried to do with their kids and still work on, okay? So here's their, some of the Burnell plan, okay? Uh, entry point, eighth grade. That, they don't get a phone till then. They have to prove they can even handle it then. Early on, only texting and calls, no apps. Not until they prove that they can handle it. Number three, all the, all the technology, the phone, the tablets, computers, they're checked in at bedtime. There's a curfew. You can't take it to bed with you, okay? Like it goes into hibernation. Number four, they have passwords for all their kids' phones. They can look at them at any time. Number five, at any point, we can go to their phones, we can scroll through their conversations, there's no secrets, nothing to hide, nothing to fear, and by the way, let me challenge you, your kids should be able to do the very same thing with your phone, the very same thing. Why are you hiding things from them? 
okay? Uh, number six, uh, they use downstream time functioning to limit access to apps and social media. They set time limits for certain apps. They have app limits. You can do that on your phone, believe it or not. Number seven, they, they, do free, they do safety checks to make sure that whatever images are on their phone are the right kind of images, not the wrong ones. Okay? And here's the biggest thing that I thought came out of Andrew's mouth. We own the phones. And he said this, because we own the phones, it's the best disciplinary tool we have with our kids. Because when they get out of line, we can say, give me the phone. And that hurts worse than anything else. Okay, I'm going to add one more. Andrew didn't mention this. Maybe they do this. I don't know. No phones at the table. When you're having a meal with people, including you, those phones are nowhere near that because that's a great time for conversation. Now, why would you do this? Because one of the things that pleases God is the right kind of accountability. Let me give you a website. It's access.org. I think it'll help you with your kids and how to stay current with them on this topic. Because parenting's hard. And that's why you need God. That's why you need the fellowship of believers. That's why you need your, your small group and your, the other couples in your group that are dealing with the same issues and they're talking through it and they can give you some advice. Or they, maybe they need you to help them in the right way, right? Because, by the way, this is something that hit me this week and it just made me stop for a while and think, you know what God did when he sent Jesus into the world? One of the things he did is he created a communication revolution. He really did. Where here's Jesus who comes in the midst of this world to show us by communicating with his life, his example, and his words, this is God. A communication revolution. Any human invention pales in comparison to the advent of Jesus who opens up a whole new world for us. Any human invention fails beyond the pale of God who is amazingly able to step in. You know, when we commune together, we are celebrating a God who speaks, a God who hears, a God who sees, a God who feels, a God who cares, a God who took personal responsibility as our Father to parent us, to love us, and to give us hope. Lord, as we commune today, as we take this bread and this cup, it's a simple reminder that you are good, that your love endures forever that you're holy and good and you want the best for your kids. It's a dream we share for ours. As we commune together as the church, we combine our thoughts and our hearts and our minds together and we bring our imaginations to the throne of God, the throne of grace. In Christ we pray, amen. Okay, I know I've thrown a lot of advice at you today coming from a broken man who's made a lot of mistakes, okay? But I am going to give you this piece of advice, parents. Take her slow, okay? Like, like here's a thing that you don't want to do. Like, you're at lunch today. What'd you think of this sermon to your teenager? I didn't like it very much. Well, we're going to change everything. 
bad parenting right there. Okay, look, it's not going to work. But you can change things. Here's what I, here's what I would suggest. Take it or leave it. Because, you know, people listen to this kind of message and go, that was a really good sermon. I would suggest that you just start making some changes yourself. You and your spouse, if you have a spouse, it's at home. And all those patterns and habits we kind of get into about our usage of the various devices in our life, we start to change that. We start to put our phone down when our kids are around and just listen to them and not jump on them because they're on their phones right away. Let them start seeing some things about us that are different. And then you know what? Be the parent. You're the parent. And, and you may need to start talking about some rules that will be better for everyone, especially them. Some safety implementations. You're the parent. Don't be afraid to be the parent. God gave you that right. It's your responsibility. You know, I, I like what Jesus did when he came into our world, our, the communication revolution, right? I like this about Jesus. He stepped in and he just started showing us. Yeah, he talked. He taught. When people were ready, he said it. Even when they weren't sometimes, he said it. But it wasn't about rules, first of all. The rules were what happened before that. You know, that's what the law is all about. And we can go into that if you want, but not today. He came with relationship. And he said, friends, brothers and sisters, let me show you the path to the Father. And my parent, my friend, my colleague, were the path to Jesus. We show them the way. We show them how to get there. And it's no different with this topic. So let's be that person. And let's start today. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Now. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.